You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Ever-living God, I pray at this time that ultimately not my words, but your living word would go forth, Jesus, your son. And that word would indeed take root in our hearts and our lives, bearing in them the life and the salvation which is found in you. And all this we ask in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, I would invite you to reflect with me on this short portion of Paul's letter to the Philippians that was uh, read from today. And of course, we heard also uh, from the Gospel of, of Luke, one of those central Advent figures, John the Baptist, so if you feel cheated, know that you are still a brood of vipers. Um, And so, um, wonderfully, graciously uh, restored vipers um, by the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to reflect this morning on Paul's letter um, to the Philippians, and it's uh, it's long been one of my favorites. Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe because it's four chapters, um, so you can you can get through it really quickly. But more than that, uh, like a good preacher, Paul gets in and he makes his point, um, and and he's out. Uh, but more than that, there is the joy and the rejoicing and the graciousness and the thanksgiving which flow throughout Paul's letter to the Philippians. It, it, it positively sings with joy and with rejoicing. And of course, it's all the more noteworthy that it does so because as you may well remember, it is referred to as one of the prison epistles. It was one of the letters which Paul wrote during his time in prison. And despite the fact that he was in a context which you would obviously rightly imagine as being anything um, but joyful, uh, anything but hopeful, we see one of the things about the transformative power of God is that though Paul found himself in the setting and the context uh, of prison, uh, his greater reality, his greater reality was one of security. His greater reality was one of hope. His greater reality was one um, of rejoicing. Uh, The amazing work which God can do in Paul's life, in our lives, where our reality can transcend our context. And one of the things that's uh, interesting to me uh, and uh, about the wonderful, gracious way in which God works is that uh, Philippi was not Paul's plan. Uh, Paul had different plans, and we read about it in the 15th and the 16th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. And once again, we see the wonderful, gracious way in which God uh, is able to guide and to to direct in something that is greater um, than our own plans. Um, We hear in chapter 15 that Paul's path to Philippians uh, begins with conflict. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, we are told, had a sharp dispute Luke writes, over the person of Mark, over the person of John Mark, um, the author of one of our gospels. And apparently, as they were traveling on their missionary journeys uh, in Pamphylia, Mark um, left them. Uh, Luke tells us that Mark left them um, to the work. Uh, And it is Mark's previous uh, departure um, that causes the sharp division between Paul um, and Barnabas. And I, I find it tremendously encouraging uh, to people like you and me who, whose faith is often um, in fits and starts that one of the writers of the Gospels, uh, one of the things that we see was this moment um, of failure. 
uh, in his life and in his ministry. This, this, this moment uh, of fear, this moment of retreat. Uh, it's very likely that Mark returned because uh, this ministry uh, was infinitely more uh, challenging and uh, opposed than he would have imagined. Uh, there was a, a, a quip by a British bishop back in the day who questioned his ministry, said, you know, wherever, wherever I go, they throw a tea party, and wherever Paul goes, they throw a riot. Um, and so Mark, probably experiencing the, the hostility, um, withdraws, and this sharp dispute arose, and we find that Barnabas, at least for the time, Barnabas uh, and Paul would later reconcile, but for the time being, uh, we see that Barnabas takes Mark with him, uh, and Paul and Silas go in a different direction, uh, and soon um, they gather unto themselves Timothy as well. And as they make their way, Paul had, Paul had good plans. Uh, Paul had good plans, and his plans involved going into Asia where he would preach the gospel, going into Asia where he would share the word. And one of the things that we see curiously as uh, they have plans and as they begin to make their way um, into Asia to share the word of God, we hear that the Holy Spirit prevents them from entering into Asia. Um, the Holy Spirit will not allow them um, to enter in. It's because God um, didn't have a love and a concern for those people, no. Um, but, but he had another purpose and mission and place um, for Paul. And then we hear that Paul um, began to go into Bithynia, but we're told in the Acts of the Apostles that none other than the Spirit of Jesus prevented him from going in. So imagine yourself, uh, if you are Paul, how confused uh, might you feel at this moment? How um, perplexed, perhaps how defeated um, in this particular moment, this moment of, uh, of, of conflict between Barnabas and now um, your plans, your good plans, your prayerful plans uh, seemingly um, shut down by none other than God himself. And this is where Paul finds himself. And then we read that Paul receives a vision in the night. And that vision in the night is a man from Macedonia. And the man from Macedonia says simply, come and help us. A vision in the night, uh, come uh, and help us, are the words which were given to Paul. And we hear, we read um, that immediately they began to make plans and they made their way um, to Philippi. And as they make their way um, to Philippi, the reception um, that they received um, was, was less than grand. Uh, initially, when they arrived, there were not enough um, Jewish men in that particular area to have a synagogue, and so they went down um, to the river where they found Lydia uh, and some others worshiping there, and they were converted, and Lydia invites Paul uh, and Silas into her home. Uh, and then immediately after this, we hear that they drive a spirit um, out of a woman who was following them, and as a reward um, for that, they are beaten with rods, and we're told um, they are thrown into the inner prison. Um, I don't know about you, I don't want to be in the outer prison, uh, and I definitely don't want to be in the inner prison. They are in the inner prison, we're told, and they are shackled, uh, and they are singing hymns uh, and psalms, uh, and as they do so, we read that an earthquake shook the place that they were in, uh, and the doors 
the, the bars um, flew open uh, and the chains and the shackles uh, came loose and the guard was preparing to throw himself on his sword thinking all the prisoners had escaped uh, and Paul cries out, don't do it, we're here. None of us are gone. And not surprisingly, the man asks Paul after that um, display, what must I do to be saved? Uh, and we hear that this man um, and his family um, were converted. I, I share um, all of that with you because in this we see the wonderful, gracious power of God to work in our lives in ways which are transformative and in ways which are surprising. Because surely we can all relate with Paul to times of division, to times of frustration, to times um, of perplexity, times when we have seemingly great plans which are thwarted, when things seem to work out entirely differently um, than we had envisioned. Surely that's something uh, and a place in which we can all um, relate with Paul. But we see wonderfully graciously, though Paul had a plan, God had a greater plan, uh, and it was one which turned out to be a place of tremendous joy and blessing. Uh, as I mentioned to you, as he writes to the people of Philippi, uh, one of the things, interestingly, four chapters, 16 times in those four chapters, Paul uses the words joy or rejoice. Such um, was his reality. Such was his love for the people of Philippi. In fact, at the beginning of that letter, Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart and all of my prayers and all of my remembrance of you. God so filled him with joy with this relationship. Uh, God wonderfully, graciously guided him. But what I would like to say also, what enabled Paul um, to have this perspective? What enabled Paul um, to have this reality in the midst of so much hardship, so much suffering, so much opposition, so much uh, persecution. Why um, was Paul's reality one of rejoicing? Why was it one of joy? Why was it one of hope and gracious assurance? Uh, and it is because of the nature and the character of Jesus Christ that had been revealed to him. In this short passage, Paul speaks um, to the entire community, but also to two individuals um, who are at odds with one another. And in response, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then these words which have captivated me, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds uh, in Christ Jesus. I, I ask you a question. I think I probably know um, uh, the, the answer to this. Um, have you ever been in love, uh, sort of really um, in love? And I, and I invite you to think about um, when, when you first fell in love, um, didn't you cast all reason out the window? Um, uh, all, all, reason, all reason was gone. And, and if you remember um, being in love and that kind of love, one of the things that is so enlivening about that is um, what you care about is that particular person. If that particular person loves you, uh, if that particular person accepts or approves of you, the rest of it, meh, 
you, 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 you don't care. You're so um, enlivened um, by that love, so driven by that love, so grounded in that love that that, that becomes um, your reality above anything and everything else. Uh, and this may make you uncomfortable, but that is the type of love which Paul has received from Jesus Christ. So graciously has God poured out the reality of his nature um, upon Paul, um, that Paul is captivated by it, that his reality is one uh, of joy and security and rejoicing regardless of his context because he knows the nature and the character of God and the type of love given to you and to me and God. In the second chapter of Philippians, um, Paul talks about how though Jesus equal um, with God did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, though in the form of God he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself taking the form of a servant, being born uh, in human likeness, and he became obedient even to the point of death, um, death um, on a cross. Such is the revealed love of God for you and for me. Such does God long to give us a sense of security, a sense uh, of acceptance, a sense of joy and rejoicing and grounding that he would go to the lengths uh, of the gift of his very own son. And that's why Paul is able to say, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. It's also translated, let your gentleness be known to everyone, your gentle spirit, let your forbearance. There's an element uh, of security and gracious restraint in the way that we live with one another. We're able to be people who are joyful, who are rejoicing, who are secure because we are wrapped in the love of God given to us in Jesus. I share a, a, a final story. We recently had opportunity to go back and we um, visited Charleston and some of our old spots and I was uh, reminded of um, right out of uh, seminary, we moved back um, to Charleston uh, and we actually, we weren't able to travel down and a friend of ours went and put the deposit um, down on the house uh, and we mailed her a check and this, this tells you um, about the time she took a Polaroid picture of it and mailed it to us um, along with an address so we knew where to go and so we we arrive in Charleston to our home uh, in Burns Downs, this quaint little community. Uh, they, they call it as a wonderful place for, for newlyweds and nearly deads, um, was uh, what they called Burns Downs. And we, we, we loved our little spot there. And at that point, it was just Jack, and he was probably about two at the time. Uh, and one of uh, the favorite games was to chase me around the front yard with the hose, um, you know, squirting me with the hose. That was our um, entertainment on on and on, and, and one day we're out there, we're playing, and he's chasing me with the hose, um, and, I, and I take the hose, um, and, I, and I crimp it, um, and I had it all lined up here. Um, and Jack, of course, is two at that point, so all of a sudden, water is not coming out. What does he do? He looks at the hose, um, and uh, as I say, it was one of those, you just couldn't draw it up better. I'm like, yes, uh, this is like so awesome. This was um, the moment I was so ready. And do you know what I did? Nothing. <laughs> I had a moment. Uh, I had a moment of gracious restraint. Uh, this is my. This is my child, whom I love. Um, I, I can't uh, unleash this on him, even though this is deliciously um, set up for me, um, I, I, I turned away. 
Uh, and, and that is what Paul came to know and experience um, in Jesus Christ, a God who could have visited um, his wrath upon us, but a God who seeks us lovingly and graciously, a God who withholds uh, himself, a God who both gives himself sacrificially uh, and withholds himself from us, who deals with us graciously, who deals with us gently. And the truth of that grounded and freed Paul's life. The truth of that has the same power um, for you and for me. We, my people, who have that security, that love, that grace um, in our lives, that our reality might be one of hopefulness and joyfulness and rejoicing, regardless uh, of context, and not just for you and for me, but that might then flow in the way in which we live in relationship with one another. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your radical self-giving of Jesus, your Son, by which you demonstrate um, your love and your grace and your acceptance, all based upon your character and your mercies. And we give you thanks for your gracious restraint. So fill us with the reality of this, uh, that we might be people who live rejoicing, This we ask and offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.